Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This week, we continue our series on the seven corporal works of mercy by focusing on sheltering the homeless. Hear about all the different ways this can apply to our lives, from sheltering the stranger to the migrant. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop who has generously offered his time to share with us about the corporal works of mercy. We've done two already to feed the hungry and to give drink to the thirsty. And today we're talking about sheltering the homeless. There are seven corporal works of mercy. So I guess this is a pretty standardized order of the list. We've mentioned that it doesn't necessarily follow order of importance, but Obviously, food, water, shelter are pretty important for survival. Right. You know, I think it's important, you know, we talk about, as I mentioned in earlier episodes, about these basic human rights, universal human rights of food and water. But shelter would be also another basic human right, Mm -hmm. a right to shelter and safety. So sheltering the homeless is a corporal work of mercy. It's kind of related also to Jesus's parable, the last judgment, where he says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Mm -hmm. Now there he's not talking just about the homeless, but certainly the stranger, the migrant, for example, Mm -hmm. who's without a home, the stranger among us. I think that is always included in this corporal work of mercy. Well, and earlier in Matthew, so that comes from Matthew 25, Matthew 8, 20, Jesus says, the son of man has nowhere to rest his head. Yeah. Is he literally saying that he's homeless or is he kind of using this period of like he doesn't, he's kind of a... Yeah. Well, he was itinerant. So after he left Nazareth, he was dependent on people to provide him shelter. Okay. Like Martha and Mary did in Lazarus or Peter's mother-in-law in Capernaum. So or they would sleep outside. Mm -hmm. So I think they were itinerants and therefore they were dependent on people for shelter. So I think that's really important to recognize. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And then we can think of the Holy Family at the very beginning when Jesus was still a baby, the flight into Egypt. They were migrants, they Mm -hmm. were without a home. Yeah. We don't know who provided them shelter in Egypt. I mean, at least at the beginning, I mean, maybe Joseph got a job and was able to provide, but we don't really know. Did they just live outside? Did someone offer them a place to stay? Right. Obviously, when they got to Bethlehem before the birth of Jesus, there was no room in the inn. So we can connect this, yeah, very much with the life of Jesus. So two immediate connections would be, like you were saying, with migrants, refugees, the other being literally people that are local, that are homeless, that that don't have a home. Which one would you like to tackle first? Well, I think both are important in this corporal work of mercy. Let's talk about domestically. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different circumstances that can lead to someone becoming homeless. We have homeless in Fort Wayne and in South Bend. And that is really tragic in a way and in many of our cities. And it can, you know, happen when someone loses a job and they can no longer pay rent or a mortgage. It can happen sometimes when people are addicted to drugs or alcohol or have mental problems. And in their circumstances, they become homeless. 
What is so moving to me is how a lot of our communities do come together mm -hmm. to try to provide shelter for the homeless. Don't see it as acceptable right. that we have a homeless population and, you know, we have the Center for the Homeless in South Bend and we have the rescue mission in Fort Wayne and, and then we have our Catholic homeless shelters uh, that we can talk about. It's important that we do all we can to ensure that everyone has a safe place mm -hmm. to sleep and to live. That's part of our responsibility as human beings, as brothers and sisters, but also especially as followers of Jesus Christ, you know? Yeah. I think some people might look at somebody that is homeless and think, well, why don't you just go get a job or see somebody that's homeless because of a drug addiction or alcohol addiction and say, well, it's their fault. You, yeah, it's their fault. What, what's your response to either of those situations? Well, even if it is someone's own fault, it still doesn't absolve us of our responsibility of helping someone who made a mistake mm -hmm. in their life. That doesn't make them less than human. It doesn't mean then that they should be treated as subhuman or just to fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. We're called to love those. And, and, you know, I think especially of those who are addicted or those who have mental illnesses, and that's how they end up homeless. And some don't even, I mean, there are some who don't want to go to a shelter. Yeah. They'd rather be outside. And in those situations, you still want to make sure that they're warm right. and that they have food and that they're safe. Yeah. One of the neat things in our talking about the local community is how our Catholic community has come to the aid of the homeless. You know, a lot of the Center for the Homeless in South Bend, they were Catholics who, who really got that started. Notre Dame was involved. Hmm. But even now we have so many of our people involved with Hannah's House, and that's in the two houses in, in Mishawaka, which are for pregnant women who mm -hmm. are homeless. And then there's the Catholic Worker Houses, and they provide help to the homeless at mm -hmm. Our Lady of the Road, where they have warm meals and clothing and place for them to come. Fort Wayne also, we have for, again, pregnant women who are homeless. There's the relatively new organization, A Mother's Hope, mm -hmm. again, started by our own Catholic people and supported by the church in many ways. Yeah. And we also have even newer St. Joseph's Mission in Fort Wayne, which is for homeless women. And again, I've just been so edified by the outpouring of support of our local Catholics for, and there might be more that I'm forgetting. If sure. I'm forgetting any group, I'm sorry, but those are the ones that, that come to mind. So I think the church is doing a lot in this area. And there's also Ave Maria House uh, right next door to me at St. Mary's in mm -hmm. Fort Wayne, which it's not an overnight shelter, but the poor and the homeless will come and they can get a warm place, they can get a shower, they can get some food, they can get some clothing. So there's a lot of this care for the homeless that's going on. Well, and the nice thing about a lot of these shelters and organizations is it's not just providing them with a place to stay, but also kind of trying to figure out what kind of help does the person need? Do they need counseling? Do they need help finding a job? Do they need a way to get away from their addictions, you know? And that's where our Catholic Charities comes in. 
you know, that would be a very big area for Catholic Charities because Catholic Charities tries to get at the root of the problems. Right. Yes, people need that immediate assistance, but they need more than that long term. So whether it's finding employment, the job skills that are needed, the counseling services, all those things that Catholic Charities provides. And Catholic Charities does do emergency assistance, too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another way people can help is through their financial support of Catholic Charities. And you can always designate it for that. I mean, people yeah. can designate their donations if they would like. I suppose, yeah, we, we need to support those that are homeless. But also, if we can help avoid like the preventative ministries and, and things to, to avoid people becoming homeless in the first place. And, and that's, that's, that's been that's a, a big issue lately because of the foreclosures after the pandemic right. when people lost jobs. And, you know, they're getting to the point now where that aid has run out and to try to help them with their rent by giving rental assistance so mm -hmm. that they're, they're not thrown out, you mm -hmm. know. That's really important. Also, people who, when they get out of prison— or jail and maybe have no home to go to, right. to help them find that's often a need. And I don't know how long it's been now, maybe six months ago or so, we talked with Catholic Charities about the work that they're doing with immigrants and refugees. Is there any update on, on what's happening here in our diocese as far as helping those that are homeless because they're, they're, yeah. they've, been, they've been forced to leave their homes due to safety reasons? Yeah. Well, we're providing housing, temporary housing, next to Bishop Lors for our Afghan refugees. And that building had been used by St. Anne's. It has had different uses. It was originally, I think, a friary for, for the Franciscans who were there. And the diocese fixed it up so that we could use it for both St. Anne's for a time and for a, a memory unit, but also uh, Catholic Charities for other services. So now we're able to use it for housing for a few months for these refugee families. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad we have that facility and people can help us with those expenses too. Okay. Is that through Catholic Charities? It's through Catholic yeah. Charities, okay. right. The other thing I think of, I was more familiar with this or more active with Habitat for Humanity when I was in oh, right. Pennsylvania. But when I was a pastor, I was a very poor parish, so we had a lot of dilapidated buildings, including right behind the rectory and the church. There was It was an alley. There were these homes that were falling apart, really in bad shape. A lot of poor people in the neighborhood. Well, we brought Habitat for Humanity in, and we worked with them. And all those houses that were on the alley were refurbished and repaired and everything. And, you know, families were able to move into those homes which was wonderful to see. Yeah. And that was really a big parish effort. So volunteers, parishioners helped with the actual working and building and repairing and the diocese helped financially. So so that was a, a great thing. I, I'm a big supporter of Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that we can get involved and help financially. But, you know, with Habitat for Humanity, they need volunteer work, you know, that I've actually learned a lot about construction from helping. Like, I, I'm, I don't know anything about what I'm doing. They teach me how to, you know, hang siding or, or you know, help put up drywall and stuff. And it's, it's kind of fun. It's, instead of just watching on TV somebody building a house and, you know, watching this old house or something like that, actually going and instead of sitting on our couch, actually do the work and help out. Yeah. 
I wasn't able to, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff, but yeah. I could paint. And yeah. actually, I kind of enjoyed painting. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever talents people have, or you can learn, like you said. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of different mission trips and things that domestically that'll help with repairs and uh, putting in wheelchair ramps for those that aren't able to get in and out of their homes and helping painting the exterior of house. I, as a youth minister, I always took youth to trips and we just help paint the, their siding or, you know, help with small repairs. And they would have somebody that knew what they were doing and just put us to work. I remember some things that we would do with our youth group is, you know, there was a lot of like just backyards that were in terrible shape with garbage and thrown away things. And, you know, the grass wasn't growing anymore and just going in and cleaning up yeah. and then trying to read landscape and stuff like that. So there's all kinds of stuff. And I imagine there's a number of our parishes that are involved with local homelessness yeah. and they can volunteer, sometimes even volunteering in a homeless shelter. It's a big help. Well, again, if you have questions for Bishop, you can send them in via text. Uh, if you have a, a topic a suggestion or anything, a comment, a compliment, you can text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And in addition to literally helping the homeless, we'll talk about how this might also relate to hospitality in our homes. Coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. We've been talking about the corporal works of mercy. We've done two episodes on feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, and today talking about sheltering the homeless. And, you know, we talked about immigration, refugees, specifically here in our diocese, but I guess globally, is there other things that we should be aware of or, or taking action on? Definitely. I think this is the, one of the biggest crises in the world today. Hmm. And Pope Francis certainly has highlighted the problem. And we have so many people who are on the move, many people who are forced to emigrate, leave their homes, leave their countries. Oftentimes, it could be economic crisis. Oftentimes, it's armed conflicts. Sometimes, it's climate change. But where people are forced to move, and it is a crisis. And yet, when you look at the Bible, there are a lot of examples of migration. You know, you think of Abraham, who God called to go to another country, or you think of people of Israel who were taken as slaves into Egypt, and then their return in the Exodus through the desert, or the Holy Family itself, Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus, forced to emigrate in order to escape Herod's threats. Mm -hmm. So really, the history of the Bible, history of mankind, is really a history of migrations. We see this. A lot of us, well, all of us are descendants of immigrants, mm -hmm. and I think about my own grandfather. So in the situation we face today, though, the numbers are astounding. I don't have them in front of me, but I think there are at least 60 million people who are refugees in the world. 
And what Pope Francis is saying is the importance of welcome and not to have this attitude of closure. In some parts of the world, some countries are very open to immigrants and refugees and tradition of the United States has been as well. But we see an increasing movement to reject migrants right. and not to welcome them. And of course, the church is not saying or the pope is not saying that we have open borders. Mm -hmm. The church is just calling us to to be generous. And yes, we have to provide for our own national security. We have to be careful vetting of refugees and, and migrants, etc. But we're called to have that welcoming spirit to we can increase the number of immigrants that we allow in our country, for example. And then the assistance to refugees and migrants, you know, even in their home countries where the problems are, but also if they're in, many times they're in camps or they're in other places where, you know, they're really in dire need. Mm -hmm. And that's where CRS and other organizations are very involved. We're called to be in solidarity with the migrant and not to ignore them. I mean, they're in such desperate situations that they undergo these very dangerous crossings of the sea in the Mediterranean, for example, or crossing into the United States from Mexico, often illegally. But we have to remember, many are fleeing from hunger or fleeing from violence or from religious persecution or inhuman living conditions, just to have that basic compassion for people who are in such desperate straits. I think that's something that is not optional in our faith. And we shouldn't just look at it from a politically ideological position. We need to look at the situation as disciples of Christ. What is God calling us to do mm -hmm. about this? And I'm really proud to be Catholic because the Catholic Church is really at the forefront of welcoming the stranger, of really obeying Jesus's command in this area. And it seems like the two things I see a lot as far as critiques against letting refugees in, one is kind of a supply issue, like they're going to take our jobs or our resources, and the other are finances, you know, that's, they're going to be a drain on the economy or something. And the other is one of safety and that these are criminals that are coming in from these other countries. Any truth to that or? I think there is. I think, though, that it's sometimes used, uh, exaggerated and mm -hmm. used. It, it's really founded in fear. Yeah. You know, if you look at statistics of crime in the United States, it's a much higher percentage of those committing crimes who are not immigrants, mm -hmm. you know, there will be some. I mean, there's good and bad in any any group, but I think it's exaggerated. And especially because we have very good means for vetting people before they're given entrance into the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to watch to keep terrorists out, for example, right. or those who have a record of violent crimes. So I agree that we need good security measures, but I don't think we should, out of fear, just say, well, now we're not going to accept anybody because we're afraid that we're going to have more criminals, et cetera. Right. As far as the economy, our economy needs more foreign workers. Hmm. I mean, in many different areas, agriculture, hotels, a lot of factories. I mean, 
there is a, a need for more workers right. in our country. So this idea of taking away jobs from Americans is just false. Right. There's also the income that comes from paying of taxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the amount of money that that our government receives through taxes from immigrants, it's it's huge. So it's not the idea that people are just freeloading. So there's just a lot of propaganda, yeah. anti-immigrant propaganda out there. And I think people need to become educated and not just listen to extremists who are motivated by political ideology. Right. Again, I don't want to give the idea that we're saying open borders, everyone come. No, that's not good. And there's also what can we do to help countries like El Salvador and Honduras and Nicaragua, Guatemala, where a lot of the immigrants on our southern border are coming from, Mm -hmm. fleeing violence and extreme poverty. You know, if I was a father of a family and my kids were going to be brought into gangs, Mm and threatened that if they don't, harm is going to come to them or the family, I would want to get them out of there. I would sacrifice and move. So I think we have to have compassion for the situation and try to help those governments and those people to overcome the problems that are really forcing people to migrate. Yeah. Well, kind of a shift here into something maybe a little bit lighter is we keep going back to Matthew 25 and when Jesus kind of identifies with these different characters, the, the person that was hungry or thirsty. And you mentioned at the beginning of this, he says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me, which is even more basic or maybe like less important than somebody that's homeless and giving them a home is just a stranger and welcoming them. First of all, with immigrants, like just welcoming the stranger, you know, like you don't even have to give them your spare bedroom you know, which would be great if you did, but even just to start with the basics of welcoming somebody that's a stranger. And this kind of gets into hospitality of, do we treat people well when they come over to our house, you know? And I was thinking about that scripture. It comes from Luke 14, verses 12 to 14. It says, then he said to the host who invited him, when you hold a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they might invite you back and have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I don't go around on the streets and look for people that I don't know, strangers, to have them over for dinner. But how great would that be just for my kids to see that of, yeah, we just have random people over for dinner that needed good meal or need a a warm place for a couple hours or something. Yeah. Someone moving new into the neighborhood, that's another, you know, to welcome them. New people in the parish. You know, when you have people who come and, you know, they're new in the area or new in the parish, maybe they're a different ethnic group or whatever, speak a different language, are they just ignored? Yeah. Or do people come up and say, oh, it's so good to meet you. Welcome to St. Joseph Parish or St. Mary's Parish. I know, especially people who maybe don't even know their language, you know, don't even know English, you know, but I think you're right. I really like the idea, too, of being especially welcoming and trying to show hospitality to those who can't repay it, you know, the poor and the needy. I think there are a lot of opportunities, and you can do it in different ways. Like you said, you can invite them to your home, or you can show a welcoming spirit by 
bringing food. I remember in the parish in, that I was pastor of, we had a newly arrived couple families from Vietnam, and they were dirt poor. And mm. they got these very poor apartments that they moved into. And I went over, because they came to church, they were very devout Catholics. And I recognized that they were new. Of course, they didn't know English. I didn't know Vietnamese. But we mm -hmm. were able somehow to communicate and I went over to their apartments to bless the apartments. That meant so much, but I saw there was nothing there. Mm -hmm. And so I just got the people of our parish. I told the people they needed furniture and all that. And wow, the people were so generous. And it was just beautiful to see. And we were able to furnish their apartments. We were able to provide food and clothes and you know, winter coats because they didn't have stuff for the cold weather. Well, that those families became such an integral part of our parish. It hmm. was beautiful. And the friendliness in here, we didn't even share, couldn't even speak each other's languages. Yeah. But they were at Mass every day. These families attended daily Mass, didn't understand either our English or our Spanish Masses. Yeah. But they were embraced by the parishioners. And that unity, that community that was formed within the parish to me was just so beautiful. I mean, st still in touch with, well, now the younger ones are no English and they've been to school sure. and everything. So I yeah. have some I stay in contact with by letter. Uh -huh. But that to me is how our parishes should be. Yeah. First of all, it's to notice people, notice new people. Are we even aware? I think, for example, are those who are ushers or have that ministry of welcome at parishes, mm -hmm. They can do tremendous work. I'm sure many of many in our diocese do, where they really do reach out to the newcomers. Yeah, and then families like your own, like you said, Kyle, to think of ways. You know, it's kind of neat to to try to think about it. I know there are some families who will ask the pastor or the parish secretary or whoever about needy families, so that they can reach out to them mm -hmm. with some support and develop a relationship. Well, even like new families at the school, we've talked about, I don't know if we're doing this at our school right now, but we've talked about pairing them up with another family. Like, I'd be happy to to have them over for dinner, meet them, like explain kind of things. Or even like we've talked about the the oldest kid when he goes to kindergarten, even if it's the parish that they grew up in, this is their first time in the school. They don't know how things work and where things are and stuff like that. To pair them up with a family that's got older kids that's been through the system to say, hey, let's give you a tour of the school. You know, let's yeah. explain how registration works or whatever. Just kind of a mentoring program almost of somebody that's been through it before and can yeah. can offer a little help here and there. And so, you know, when I have questions, I can go ask this family because we've, they had us over for, for dinner. We've got a connection now. Yeah. I think that's great. That's really good. I think we can do a lot more in this area. Yeah. I really do. I think some of the evangelical churches are, are really good at this. Yeah. Like, let's say someone is getting out of prison. They will have a ministry to help bring them back to the community and hmm. things like that. I think we need to do more in, in those kinds of areas as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you talk about ushers and welcoming people, you know, maybe that's something that we haven't been doing much of over the past couple of years because kind of keeping a distance from people, but to look at how we can make people feel welcome whenever they walk in our churches, especially if it's for their first time or... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Bishop, for another great episode. We'll continue our conversation over the Corporal Works of Mercy over the next uh, four episodes. So what's the next one, Kyle? 
Uh, up, up to you. Oh, okay. I guess what, what, what would the order that? Um, I think we probably are getting to clothing the naked. Okay, I would guess. I don't know if there is a set order, but <laughs> no. This is this has been interesting talk. It makes me think about, you know. Hopefully, it makes our listeners think. But it's even making me think of what more I can do. I find these to be very challenging to me. Like really yeah. challenge me to to do more. Yep. And realizing kind of how I'm falling short in doing these just basic things that we should be doing as humans, not to mention as Christians. Yeah. So. And, you know, it's this idea of, of charity. Faith apart from works is dead. I mean, St. Right. James wrote that, and I think that's something we always have to keep in mind. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bishop. Before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.